You're now locked into Zone 32. Grant Durflinger, Jake Miller. Only on NeutralZoneInfraction.com. NZI Properties. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another installment of the Zone 32 podcast. Presented as always by NZI Properties. Follow us on Twitter at NZI Properties. Max, again, I'm surprised he's taking this long to regenerate because he's the reanimator. I don't care if you'll be eaten by a bear or not, but he will be back. I tell you this, even if I have to necromance him to bring him back to life. But anyway, Grant's here with me. He ain't getting by no bear. He killed a bear with his two damn hands, just like old Davy Crockett. What's up? Yeah, in my big toe. I fucked that thing up. Damn straight. You know what it is. We back at it again. And we wish we were. it was a happy occasion, but alas, it's not. Before we jump into that, We'll talk about the most recent current event with news regarding the Ravens. The Ravens announced they released Mark Ingram. They posted some touching tribute videos of him on the gram and on the Twitter and everything and on the site. And then Mark posted his. So it's a mutual tiding of good wishes for both parties. It's not a loss you really want for your team or your locker room, but it was kind of expected. But anyway, Grant, I'm going to holla at you. Give me your thoughts about Mark Ingram being a free agent. Sucks, dude. I mean, you know, they always say football's a business. I mean, in a sense it is, but you still make those like emotional connections. It's like you might not ever meet the player. And I always, you know, joke around. I'm like, man, I get so pissed off about when the Ravens lose and stuff, but what is it, what are they ever going to do for me? But, you know, it's like a camaraderie. It's like it's like an unspoken bond like that you have. Some players you connect with more than others. And, you know, some of them are just, you know, just exceptional people. And Mark and, you know, and Mark Ingram is is 100%, you know, you can tell an exceptional person, you know, probably one of the better teammates that I've witnessed in Baltimore. And, I mean, we've seen some, you know, some players come through Baltimore. But as far as a teammate in general, I mean, as far as – I mean, the people just gravitate to the guy. I mean, we owe him everything from big trust. We owe him everything from the MVP chance for Lamar. I mean, he's Lamar's biggest cheerleader and and – you know, as somebody that has been a veteran in the league, sometimes you get these guys and you see them all the time on you know, radio shows and um, they'll come in to, you know, different interviews and, you know, they're they're arrogant and like they're like, yeah, I've been here before or they treat the rookies like the air. Oh, yeah. Carry my pads, bitch. Like that whole thing. Like, you know, the whole kind of like hazing mentality. Um, and, you know, they look at that and it's like, you know, he doesn't really give me the, I'm sure he's, you know. Hey man, carry my pads for me or so you know something silly. But at the same time, you know, I think that he's also the one that he's always gravitated to. I mean, I know Patrick Queen put out this week on Twitter and was like, "Hey, you were the you know you were the first one to show me love." Like, bro, that's a running back. You ain't even in the same room. You know, you're not. You know, he's in the running back room. He's in the offensive meetings and all this. And you're the first round draft pick as a linebacker. And you know, the first person that came to him was Mark Ingram. You know, and and look at how he's handled the whole situation with um, with this year. I mean, that speaks volumes on him alone. You know, the guy didn't say one negative thing. He did nothing but hype his his boys up, you know, between J.K., Gus, you know, obviously um, Justice was there for special teams reasons and, and certain packages on offense, but, you know, Mark Ingram put a lot into this team and you could tell that, that, that it's, it's definitely feels like a piece of Baltimore is going, even though, you know, he's been with us, what, three seasons, but you know, it's still, it still definitely feels like a piece of us, a piece of Baltimore is gone, but I mean, he was due pretty high amount of money, you know, the emergence of, of Gus, I think JK came along faster than they really, you know, kind of needed him to, because he was more of a luxury pick than anything. Um, and the season that Mark Ingram had last year as a pro bowler, um, you know, thousand yard rusher. But I think that 
you know, I think that we're definitely going to miss him. Um, hopefully he continues his career on. Um, I think he's still got juice in the tank. I mean, I, I think this year was a lot. He was battling some injuries, but he still was trying and, and being out there for his guys. But, man, just the way that he carried himself through this whole thing, like he was healthy scratches. You know, this you're talking about Pro Bowl guy last year. You know, like that dude didn't let any of that get to him, and he didn't break a smile. You know, he kept that smile on his face. You know, he kept, you know, cheering his guys on, coaching them up on the sidelines. Like he's going to be a coach one day. If he wants to be, he's going to be a phenomenal coach this one day because, shit, I'd play for him in a second. I'd run through a wall for that dude. Like he gets you so hyped up, like from the press conferences to everything. You know, Charm City's definitely going to miss him. And, you know, I do, man. And I know all of us here at NZI and, and you know, you, I, you, myself and Max here at Zone 32, we all love Mark Ingram and we all do wish him the best with everything. But it sucks, man. But it is part of the business. I get that. That's the truth, my guy. He was a consummate professional. He's one of those dudes like Steve Smith, Anquan Bolden. Once he comes to your team, you wish he had spent their entire career on your team. Because, I mean, damn. I do wish me some Steve Smith with a Baltimore Raven from the time he entered the league to the time he left the league. That would, that's the man, the myth, the legend. But Mark, absolutely. He's he was a great teammate. He was a great player. Obviously, we mentioned that he's a pro bowler from a year ago, not this past year. Still, he's he was a baller. He was beloved in New Orleans. He had nothing but love and respect for Mickey Loomis and Tom Benson and the Benson family and Everyone who worked worked with the Saints, he was extremely cordial and just happy and loved all those dudes as well. Same thing with Alvin Kamara. He helped mentor him and get him into the league. And I kind of did the same thing with J.K. Dobbins. Not saying Dobbins and Kamara or anything. A top three to five back in the league at least. But either way, like he's one of those kind of dudes and personalities where it hurts the locker room. It hurts the camaraderie. It hurts losing that kind of man, that kind of personality in your locker room. It was like that when... TJ was gone. It was like that when Eric Weddle left after they cut him and then cut TJ. It hurt It hurt the dynamic of the locker room from that perspective because you never want to lose one of those kind of dudes. But, hey, it is what it is. We wish him the best. We hope – I hope he, he extends his career and gets, gets on with somebody else. That would be great to see him still in the league because the man's infectious. Look at the details. But that's, that's the man. Anyway, enough delay in the inevitable. Let's get into it. Saturday night, the Ravens took a trip up to Orchard Park to play the Buffalo Bills. And unfortunately, they came away empty-handed. They lost. They got knocked out of the playoffs, and the offseason starts now. So, Grant, let's do it. Let's talk about the game. They fucking suck, dude. You know, kudos to the Bills. You know, I, you know I'm rooting for the Bills through on out for the rest of the way just because, man, they're such a classy organization. You know, their fans were awesome. You know, we had our little banter all week long. That was a lot of fun. And, you know, them kind of going out of the whim to, you know, do the donations to Lamar's, um, you know, charities and stuff like that. I think that, man, that was incredible. And, you know, not only that, but, you know, I think that they – the Ravens kind of maybe gain respect from Bill's Mafia in a sense of – that, you know, he went out there and fought. I mean, it was a tough-fought game. I mean, he battled. I mean, he didn't get much help from his team, that's for sure, or his coaching staff. And he went out there and he fought. Yeah, he made a mistake on the interception. You could say what you wanted about it, but that was just a great defensive play. They saw something on film, and they knew to drop to that zone in that situation, and they made a play. Well, do I wish he would have made a read? Yeah, sure, but you know what? He's a quarterback in the NFL. They're going to make mistakes. They're not going to throw 52, you know, perfect passes or, you know, execute 52 straight perfect plays. 
So, I mean, sometimes people just have unrealistic expectations and just look for a shitty situation to kind of attack Lamar. And I think it's weak and pathetic in a, in a sense. Um, but the dude went out there, fought and battled. And I think he gained a lot of respect from Bill's Mafia from that. And I think that had a lot to do with it because of, you know, I mean, you're sitting here. This dude is down. I mean, I talked about it before, you know, he, he could have done everything. He could have given up. You know what I mean? The ball snapped over his head for the how many how many time of the of the game. And on top of that, you know, he's sitting here trying to fight back for a win and his fucking center can't even snap the ball to him. You know, and that's that's something that really irritates me. And then that play where the ball gets snapped over his head when he gets hurt on. How many quarterbacks in the NFL, like right now at the top of your head, I might know of two or three that would have fought for that football like he did out of 32. The rest of them in that situation after – I mean, you're talking the next play after the pick six or two plays after the pick six in the fourth quarter. How many players – how many quarterbacks in the NFL are going to mentally give up? That's going to happen the next play, snapped over your head. How many how many quarterbacks are going to turn around and be like, oh, shit, and act like they're going to go get it, but they're not going to move. And it's going to be a battle of fat guys rolling around the ground, kicking the football around until it's somehow it's in the end zone for a touchdown. So, you know, he went after the football and tried to make a play and got hurt trying to make a play. You know, that's something and, – and he couldn't finish the game. He couldn't finish the fight. And that wasn't his choice. It was just something, you know, league rules, safety rules. You know, he, I'm sure he would have came back in if he got the opportunity to. But, it, I mean, it, it sucked for us. One of the worst games that I think that we've played in a while – and that comes down to the execution point. I mean, there was just the offensive line was so bad, man. I was just talking the other day about the continuity of the offensive line, how much they're building together. I think we have our solidified offensive line through the playoffs is what I think I said. Uh, man, was I wrong. That interior offensive line was a complete and utter embarrassment. And you could say what you want. You could defend what they did. You could talk about the injuries. You can talk about anything else. But for an entire football game, I watched them get pushed two to three yards back every single time except for that first drive and the first drive of the second half. So we're, what I don't understand is as a Greg Roman, you know, what he does. Yeah, there's adjustments, but he got away from it again. He executed everything to perfection on that first drive after, after halftime, marched right down the field like it was nothing. Did it right before the half too. So you're, he's making this progress, and then what's he do? He goes right back to the same fucking scheme that he had to start the game, the same one that got shut down after the first drive. So it's like, man, what are you doing? And then I don't understand where the adjustments aren't being made in the passing game. And we see all the, the gifts and all the memes, and you know, we see all the little clips of videos coming out, getting reviewed by everybody, and talking about the routes. Look at them. They are so pathetic. Like every single time you've got two to three receivers of the four in the same spot and they don't move. And then you blame Lamar for trying to force a throw or do something. Guess he's got to do something. You, he can't run every time. He can't throw it away every time. At some point, he's got to try to make a play. And it's, it's just a fucking clown show. And it was awful. And, you know, I mean, Bill's played a great game. Like I said, you know, I hope they win this weekend. I'm definitely rooting for them and Bill's Mafia because, you know, it, they've, they've waited a long time and it would be it would be sweet to see them win um, now that the Ravens are out. But, damn, we did not help ourselves. I feel like the, we, we talked about before the show, I feel like the Ravens are so cursed. Like, like they are that team that just – they have those moments where they just don't put it together and they, they're so talented and they have so much like continuity with each other. And then it just goes away. And I don't understand if it's coaching. I don't know if I understand if it's just a lack of adjustments. I don't understand what it is, but it's got to get fixed because it's every fucking year. 
And it's it's just something that we that that just needs to be done. And we can't keep going the offseason saying, man, we lost. That was our weak point. Let's fix that this year. No, find out what the problem is. Every year you can't just fix one position group. Last year it was the, the pass rush and the run defense. Then it was the corners the year before that. Now it's got to be the receivers. But every year it's been the receivers. And, and the thing is, is like you get what you get, but then you got these guys that you don't even give them time to develop. And you let people walk that maybe you shouldn't let walk. And like I, I don't. I'm not blaming the front office. I think EDC is is the is the fucking man. I love him to death. But at some point, we need to start looking in the mirror. Of the coaches and John Harbaugh needs to stop stop having this. You know, we'll fix it. We'll fix it. That's not the problem. Yes, John, that is the problem. The passing concepts and the and the route combos are the problem. When we utilize the pass game, is the problem. How we set up the pass from the run is the problem. So it's like you, I'm sitting here as a casual, not casual fans, I know my shit, but you know what I mean? A fan sitting here on a couch. Um, but, you know, I'm sitting here telling you this. So what do you think this guy that gets paid X amount of dollars is, is not doing? Like, I don't understand like how it's that hard of an adjustment to make. Other teams do it. Why can't we? That's the truth. And to your point about the interior of the offensive line getting whipped, that's effectively three years in a row. I mean, you can go back to even the Chargers game. They were lining up. Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa inside to go beat up on good old James Hurst and Matt Skura. They couldn't handle him. They were whipping him. They were beating up on Lamar Jackson. Part of the seven sacks they got on him that year where he looked horrible and the offense looked lost. Those snaps from Akari on Saturday were worse than fucking Skura in Indy. Or Skura against the Patriots, too. Yeah, that well, that was, I mean, that was a monsoon, so I give him a little bit of slack for that. But, I mean, you know, and, like, when you look at them, I mean, how many would there have been? I mean, they showed how many highlights of Lamar making, like, a one-handed snag down by his ankles or, you know, coming up really quick to catch something up by his shoulders from a snap. Like, he was working. That's the truth. To my point before, you went from getting beat up by Bosa and Melvin Ingram up front. I mean, Bosa also lined up against Orlando Brown. He arguably gave him his worst day as a rookie that particular year. Fast forward to 2019 and you get whipped up, you know, beaten up by Jeffrey Simmons and Jarrell Casey. And they were dominating the trenches that year when the Titans beat us 20 to 12. Now you go to this year and you get Quentin Jefferson getting back to the, getting into the backfield. Jerry Hughes consistently coming up blocked like the second and goal play where, Mar- where Marquise Hollywood Brown is running open on that little crosser. And because Tyree Phillips doesn't touch him, doesn't pick him up in his protection and Dobbins whiffs on the block. Lamar's getting hit, and he doesn't have the ability to get the ball there while he's getting hit. So can't fault him for that. He had, he barely had a second or two to get the playoff or to get the pass off. But they didn't even run the ball to like late in the second quarter. I feel like, and we still had seven, eight in the box, and Josh Allen was still rolling to his right. Like, it, I mean, like they even said, like the number one game plan. I think they even mentioned on TV is don't let Josh Allen outside the pocket, especially to his right. <laughs> what they do every every uh, every like other play, I'm pretty sure that Josh Allen rolled out to his right and would throw a dart. He was. He was consistently getting outside, though, to the defense's credit. They only gave up 10 points on offense to that to that Bills. I misspoke. They only gave up 10 points on defense to that Bills offense, and Josh Allen didn't look like the MVP that people were touting him as as in the regular season. Defense came to play. Marcus Peters, interestingly, he only gave up four catches on nine targets. He had the lowest passer rating among the three starting corners. Jimmy Smith, unfortunately, hit that's a different story. 
the, the only real error on that defense that I can really recall was the Stefan Diggs touchdown where I don't know why you don't call a timeout when you notice there's two DBs over there to cover three receivers. But I mean, I'm not a player. I'm not a coach or anything like that. But I mean, that's also one of those things like you might want to just adjust out of that as quick as you can. Or if you're Jimmy or if you're Marcus Peters, you're just like, all right. Well, that and how the fuck did we not get that fumble at the end of the, or at the, end of the second quarter on that strip sack from uh, from Judon and uh, Yannick or Yannick? I mean, what a perfect strip and everything, and we don't get it. And that's like, you know, that's one of those kind of like break things. You know, football's bounced in mysterious ways. I just, it wasn't our night, man. From start to finish, I said it from when after the first drive, when we like, you could slowly start to see things kind of falling apart. I was like, this is going to be one of those nights. And it sure as hell was. On a night where the most inconceivable of things, Justin Tucker gets beaten by Mother Nature. The winds cause him to miss two out of the three field goals he kicked that night. And honestly, he almost missed the 34-yarder at the end of the half. The wind was blowing out there. So sure did. that was absolutely a precursor of what was to come that night. Plus the overthrow from Tyler Huntley to Marquise Brown. The wind obviously caught that just like the overthrow from Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs in the first quarter where he beat Marcus Peters by quite a bit, but it got overthrown because the wind took the ball. Imagine if, uh, imagine if they connected on that, that whole game. That Tyler Huntley might have came back and won that game. He very well could have. Think how long, how long, because I, I think they ended up punting on that drive, didn't they? No, they kicked a field goal and missed. Tyler Bass missed the field goal wide left. That much I remember. So if he would have scored then – there would have still been more time on the clock and more timeouts with the two-minute warning. And if we the defense would have held them, we could have got the ball back with a chance to tie the game. Absolutely. Same thing if Mark, Mark Andrews makes that incredible catch in the back of the end zone on fourth down and it's fourth and goal to go. I mean. I think that's not – when it's playoff time, I think Mark Andrews is is sitting at home. and I think Snark, Man, Snark Mandrews comes out to drop all the passes. To your, to your argument – I mean, he, he caught four of 11 targets for 28 yards. They also, Pro Football Reference also credited the pick towards him, which they should have. He was being covered by Tremaine Edmonds and then Teron Johnson, as we all well know, undercuts the route and gets off for 101 yards with Trey White as his lead blocker. So, I mean, wasn't a good decision and things bad things have kind of happened with targeting Mark Andrews in the playoffs. In big games, he, for some reason, comes up much smaller than you expect him to at the beginning of the year. The homer in me was arguing that Mark Andrews was a top three tight end. Now, I'm not willing to go that far. Darren Waller is far and away the better player the two. Either way, what can you do? It's another disappointing end to a new season. So now it's draft season. We'll be coming to you more with draft coverage and players to look at and potential free agent pairings and potential cuts in future episodes coming relatively soon. But anywho, on that note, let's kick into the other games. Let's talk about it. The Packers hosted the Rams at Lambeau Field, and they wound up beating the brakes off of them, 32-18. to 18. So, Grant, give me your thoughts on the Packers and the Rams game. Shoo-wee. Your boy was wrong. Your boy was wrong. <laughs> Man, that, I guess I don't know. You know, we talked about the whole weather thing. I mean, you know, I think sometimes it factors in, and I think it definitely factored in because they, I mean, I think the Packers are good, but I don't think that there's – good as the Rams made him look but man that was an ass whooping like you know you got Aaron Rodgers smiling under center when he sees something like you know that's an ultimate smack in the face but you know he pulled it off 
Um, Devonte Adams is that man. He's solidified. You know, we kind of every week you can hear me kind of like leaning towards. You know, he's my one, but you know, DeAndre's still there and this and this. Nah, man, Devonte's number one. We just watched him go up against a straight lockdown man corner that he was barking at, and then he walks up to him pregame and tells him, "Don't run from me. Follow me everywhere I go." Like, okay, and he follows him everywhere he goes and cooks him <laughs> like straight up boils his ass up and and man that that's that's not an easy thing to do i mean you look at the numbers this year i don't remember exactly what they were but with the matchups that jalen ramsey had this year he was a straight up lockdown to get some big time playmakers i mean i know for a fact he shut down dk metcalf twice he might have only had like two catches in two games or something um but yeah, man. I mean, that was a that was a hell of a matchup. The Packers can crush you in so many different ways. They're, I mean, they're they have pass catchers outside of Devontae Adams, but they're also the guys that'll drop a wide open touchdown pass, as we saw a couple times in the past couple of weeks with them. You know, Aaron Jones is a freaking man. Like, you know, I just think that that they're really tough, and they're going to be a really tough matchup this weekend for old uh, old Tommy Tom. Um, but you know, I. I don't know where you go from as far as the Rams do. I think they need a quarterback. Um, I think they need a quarterback. You know, they need to keep the defense intact, you know, solidify some pieces there. Um, they just – they looked bad. They didn't really execute well. I mean, Aaron Donald can only do so much by himself on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but, you know, offensively, they just looked completely inept. And, you know, you've got stud receivers. I mean, Cooper Cup was out, but, I mean, Robert Woods is – is a beast you know josh reynolds is more than formidable um van jefferson who's a young receiver that i love and think is going to be a huge playmaker um you know you got the tight ends everett and higby and you got the running backs like i mean they got playmakers they got talent you know they have one of the best offensive minds coaching them in football i mean both you know between i always talk about shanahan but i mean mcveigh's there too and they just you know they got to put it together. And I feel like, I feel like essentially sometimes not with like, you know, the roster buildup examples, but how they just can't close out when they need to close out almost makes me feel a lot like Baltimore. And, you know, they have these, you know, star studded rosters, you know, they're deep, great coaching staff, you know, should wins, could wins, and they don't win. Um, so, you know, I, uh, but I think that, I think it was a great on the Packers standpoint, because they, they gained even more confidence going into next week and, um, I think they're riding high, and I mean, we'll talk more on Thursday about picks and stuff, but they're going to be really tough to stop. Without a doubt, they will be. Yeah, to your point, Jalen Ramsey against DK Metcalf, yeah, he did shut him down for two games. The third, I believe, after that long bond that he, that Metcalf caught on the broken play, Ramsey held him to about three catches for 37 yards. So he effectively did. Yeah, DK did basically nothing against Jalen. Now, this week was a different story. Devontae killed him. He caught nine of ten. He went nine of ten pass nine of ten passes for sixty six yards and a tutter. I mean, the one tutter was just a little was him going in motion and getting that little speed and getting open in the flat real quick. Which again it was a busted coverage on the Rams of not something like that. But you know, that's that's neither here nor there. But yeah, Devontae Adams has been cooking DBs for the past couple of seasons. So I mean, yeah. It, it might be time to crown a new king of the NFL receivers. Move over D Hop, move over or fake shot, sideshow Bob, having looking at Michael Thomas. But I mean, Devontae Adams is the man. He's 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 loving this. He's loving some. He's getting all the love from Aaron Rodgers. But yes, Packers they played their asses off. If I'm not mistaken, let's take a look. Actually, 
Zadarius Smith, yeah, Zadarius Smith came away with a sack. Rashawn Gary came away with a sack and a half. So I was almost right on my on my Smith brothers prediction, but Zadarius is getting back there, the one that got away. But I mean, yeah, they got after Goff. To your point about the Rams needing a new quarterback, I remember there were some reports being said on the Twitter sphere and the NFL news that maybe the Rams and Jared Goff and Sean McVay. They're not seeing eye to eye anymore. So, you know, maybe they could be in the market for a new quarterback. And personally, I'd love to see someone like Matt Ryan over there. I mean, Sean McVay came from the Mike Shanahan offense. He he coached under Kyle and Mike in Washington with RG3 and Kirk Cousins over there. So, I mean, it wouldn't be that much of a stretch to put Matt Ryan over there. They run a similar scheme. And Matt Ryan is an MVP coach when he was playing under Kyle Shanahan. So, I mean... You never know. I'd give him a better shot to compete in the NFC West with him than with Jared Goff. Let Matt Stafford go out there and sling the rock a little bit and in McVay's offense. Even better. I kind of want to see him in Indy, but that's just that's neither here nor there. But yeah. yeah. We'll talk about free agents at a later date. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's the truth. But yeah, so the Packers go on to win 32 to 18. They get to host the NFC championship game and they played. And they get to host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who on Sunday afternoon went out and for the third game literally went with the result of the Quinn Rampage Vanderlei Silva fight in the UFC. After getting knocked out by the Saints two games in a row, Bucks came out and punched them in the mouth and came out with the dub and ate themselves a dub in front of Jameis, 30 to 20. So, Grant, how bad is Drew Brees? I feel bad for him, man. I like, I love that guy. I think that he's had a wonderful career. I think he's got to hang it up, man. He's just, he's fighting through a bunch of stuff. I think his wife came out and said that he um, had, should have needed shoulder surgery and ankle surgery or something like that today. But I mean, he's, he's done. He's done. They, they got, you know, their backup tight end quarterback, kicker, punter, butter boy, mascot, whatever the hell you want to call him, Taysom Hill is uh, do what, 15 million next year. So, I mean, you know, you got Jameis on the roster. Jameis came in with a little trick play, throwing a dime piece. But, um, no, I mean, that he was – it wasn't the only problem they had, but he wasn't helping them more than what they needed to. Michael Thomas can't guard Mike, more like can't get open. What He, he had zero catches. I mean, <laughs> what's, I forgot who was guarding him, and he put on Instagram the other day, and he was like – Mr. called him Mr. Slant or something. I was like, dude, that's so clutch. Like, that's all that's troll level, like 1000. Um, but no, I mean, it was a uh, I mean, Buccaneers pretty much could control that game. You know, playoff Lenny is out here rolling, you know, it's catching a lot of steam, it's funny. You know, he's riding with it. He tweeted something about you know, playoff Lenny with a bunch of exclamation points. You know, Leonard Fournette has got that, you know, that's a little juice. You know, it's funny and we laugh about it, like a little silly, like kind of nickname like that. But, you know, that's something that will give somebody some juice. And one big pop play and you get people chanting, you know, playoff Lenny. The next thing you know, that dude's juiced. You know, the team's juiced a little bit, you know. Like little silly things like that can really, you know, give some teams some confidence. Um, I think that they controlled the game. They did what they wanted to do. Um, Saints have a lot of kind of – soul searching to do in the offseason because they have a really talented roster you know we all know they're well coached but they're going to need to do some major changes and you know there's some things that need to be solidified on that and what sucks is is you know they just with the cap kind of probably not moving if not you know i don't think it goes down but i don't see it moving much at all but 
you know, you just paid a wide receiver $100 million that ain't worth shit. Um, well, I don't want to say not worth shit, but he got paid and he bailed out. You can call it injuries. You can call it what he want. But his work ethic went down the drain afterwards, and he started running his mouth, being whiny after that. You really saw his true colors kind of come out. Um, he fooled me. It's like he fooled a lot of people. Uh, but, you know, all in all, I, I just, you know, Buccaneers are going to, to the Packers. We'll talk about that on Thursday. But, man, it's going to be not going to be easy to head up to the frozen tundra. Not at all, especially for a warm weather team coming from normally sunny and hurricane filled Florida going up to the frigid frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. But to your point about the Saints, they absolutely have a lot of soul searching to do. They're projected to be over $100 million over the cap. So I'm just wondering, how the hell are you going to field a team? You have to cut the roster pretty much. I mean, damn. It's only going to be Taysom Hill and uh, and Michael Thomas on the roster. That's it. <laughs> Maybe not. That might even just wind up being Taysom Hill and like Traquan Smith or something. And just Sean Payton goes out, gets paid in food stamps. It's like, Taysom, run the court. Run the quarterback draw again. They'll never see it coming. You got it, son. You got it. He'll be like, we're all right. I got slimed. (laughs) That's right. They were the slime game last week. And also, to your point, with that one tutter that Jameis Winston threw, that was the same play the Bears ran. And then freaking, what's his face? Wims. Wims. Javon Wims from the Bears just lets it go straight through the bread basket. That's one of those. Javon Wifts. To quote the late, actually, no, he's probably not dead yet, but the great Vern Lundquist on that radio call with the Cowboys when Jackie Smith drops that touchdown against the Steelers. He's got to be the sickest man in America. I mean, how do you drop that? Oh, oh, I'm just saying. I'm not even a fan of the Bears, but when you see something like that, you just go, Oh, the worst fucking part was is it happened so early in the game, but it was still such a soul crushing like drop that it I think it really did kind of fuck with them like you know the rest of that game. Fuck yeah, it did. You know what it is? You know what they did? They just they stopped trying to sling it, they stopped trying to get cute, and they're like, fuck, we're just gonna be us. And the Saints saw it coming and they stopped the run and they want to beat the brakes off them, only to come back a week later and get the brakes beaten off of them by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But yeah. Not all that surprising that Drew Brees needs surgery on his ankle and his shoulder. He's 42 years old. Peyton Manning was a skeleton of himself at the end of his career, and people were like, oh, his knee's bad, his leg is bad, his foot's bad, he can't step into his throat. It's like, well, yeah, he's old. What are we talking about here? Of course he's old, and he knew he was going to peter out at some point because he's geriatric. No disrespect to the man. Future Hall of Famer, Drew Brees as well. You know what they are. I mean, shoot. He's got, if I'm not mistaken, the most passing yards ever. Or like he and Brady are like one and two for touchdowns and completions and all that good stuff. So he's a future first ballot Hall of Famer. Man, man was elite. And Sean Payton brought that on him before being like a close to a bust in San Diego at the time. So you know, kudos to Drew Brees on an excellent career. He absolutely should retire if he hasn't announced already. Just like the guy who replaced him in San Diego, Philip Rivers, who announced that he's retiring this week. Neither one of them have arms. I mean, like, they, neither one of them have zipper velocity on the ball. Breeze couldn't throw the ball over 20 yards. I used to knock Tom Brady for not being able to do that. But, but Breeze, it's even worse. At least Brady has a little bit of zip on the ball. And to, Brady's, and to bring up Tom Brady, Saints defense played him pretty well. Like, he wasn't getting a whole lot against that defense for at least a while. And then, of course, Drew Breeze throws the three picks. Then Jared Cook fumbles the ball. 
It's hard to overcome turnovers. It's, it is hard to overcome turnovers in the NFL. When you lose a turnover battle, you typically lose the game. But yes, next set Sunday night, it'll be Bucks Packers in the NFC Championship game on Fox at 6.40 p.m. Eastern, 3.40 Pacific Standard Time. But before we preview all those, I'll be for the next episode. Let's get into the last one and find out who is hosting the AFC Championship game. Because the Cleveland Browns went into Kansas City to take on the champs and the Kansas City Chiefs. After going after going up to a 19-3 lead, Mahomes gets concussed by Mac Wilson. He leaves the game, and all of a sudden, the Browns start mounting a comeback, only to fall short against Chad Henney and the Kansas City Chiefs, losing 22-17. So, Grant, how about them brownies? Got robbed. They got absolutely robbed. Browns should have won that game. And, you know, don't even get me started on that stupid-ass fucking rule when you own a team and march all the way down the field and they benefit from some stupid-ass bounce on a football. Like, that's crazy. Anytime else on the field, it bounces out, you get the ball at that, you know, where you fumbled out of that spot, you know, depending on the situation and time of the game. But, like, you got that one chance, then you get somebody down, you got your back against the wall, and they fumble, and it so happens you got out of the end zone, and then – it's like a turnover. It's like an interception or a fumble. Like even better because you get the ball in the twenty, and if you recover a fumble in the two, you gotta start at the two. Or if you get an interception at the two and you get tackled at the five, you get the ball at the five. So like it's even better than getting an interception or a fumble in the red zone, unless you're of course the Bills and just take it all the way back to the house. And you know we were talking about that. But like the whole, I mean, like the Browns were doing what they had to do. I mean. God, the Chiefs are just such rats. Like I swear, they they sold their soul to the devil. Like something, like they like Andy Reid sold his soul to the devil or something. Like they hard, they catch the breaks. You know, like Mahomes goes out for the game, and a guy that hasn't seen a football field since God knows how long comes in, and it's what third and was it third and seventeen when he had that run? Third and fifteen, <laughs> he scrambled and gets the first down, like to seal it. Like Chad Henney came in and pretty much ran down the field on the Chief, or on the Browns defense. I get that you've already game plan for one guy, but it's the playoffs. Make your adjustments. He's not that great. He's not that athletic. It's, it's Chad fucking Henney. Like, but you know, the Browns just weren't getting breaks, man. But that. You know, not only does it fumble out of bounds, but then they don't even call a helmet to helmet that clearly happened on the same play. That is the definition of targeting. And, you know, it's like this pick and choosing bullshit's really getting annoying, especially when you see this, you seem to see the same teams that benefit from these calls week in and week out, um, no matter who they play. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the, the Chiefs have just been limping the, like, towards end. You know, they're, they're not – last year they were blowing people out. Beginning of the season they were blowing people out. After that Raiders game, they weren't much of the same. I mean, they beat Baltimore, but, I mean, we, that, that, that little stretch there was weird. Um, but, you know, I, they're, they're, not, they're not invincible, and they could have easily lost their, past, their last, what, three, four games. So, you know, it's going to be a good matchup. I'm really rooting for the Bills this weekend. Um, but, you know, the Brownies, they had a chance and they had opportunities, but they were basically playing against the NFL and the Chiefs. So, you know, you're going to deal with that every time as well. But, you know, you still got to execute. You still got to keep them out of the end zone. You still got to score points, and they didn't do enough. You're not wrong about that, though, to your point. Technically, targeting is not a penalty in the NFL. It is in college, though. 
But I understand what you mean because lowering the head to initiate contact is a penalty, and that was clearly what Daniel Sorensen did. That being said, it was halftime. I'm yes, that's a 10 point swing. That being said, you knocked out Patrick Mahomes for the game. How do you lose to Chad Henney? He didn't score on you as soon as he failed. And you got up and, and went on a 14-point swing. You catch a pick from him, and you can't stop him? He's a journeyman, for God's sake. It's like, I get it. Andy Reid is a genius. And you got to credit him, not just for the scramble, but for that fourth and a half a yard, the speed out to Tyree Kill, which is a play they always run. I don't know why if you're a DB, you're going to play that far off or not double him. At least do what the freaking Saints did to Calvin Johnson back in 2011. Put gunner coverage on him. Don't let him get off the line. Same thing with Travis Kelsey. If Hardman beats you, okay. If Sammy Watkins beats you, okay. You gotta live with. It. But I mean, damn. Either way, you gotta <laughs> give credit. You gotta give credit to the champs. They they have resolved and they found ways to win even the most adverse circumstances. And I was texting with someone that day. As soon as I saw Mahomes go out the game, I was like, Nah, they're they're losing this game. The, the Chiefs are losing this game. And lo and behold, I was wrong. The Kansas City Chiefs won that game. They get to host the Buffalo Bills. And for a quick point of order, because I know every, people are worried about Patrick Mahomes possibly not playing this week. As of now, he was a full participant in practice. He's still in the concussion protocol, but they're saying he doesn't have any symptoms of a concussion. So he might just come off that pretty soon and play Sunday not Sunday afternoon. I'm not gonna let him not play. Are you kidding me? They're not gonna move the game. Oh hell no! He's the golden ticket. He's the new Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Can't let that curly-headed fuck not play. What are you kidding me? <laughs> this is what it is. And yes, I call him a curly-headed fuck, just like his stepbrothers. Get over it. But yes, gotta give them credit though. They got the win. I'm actually surprised the Browns didn't run the balls effectively. Could have against that team, but I mean, hey. Yeah, dude. I said Chubb was gonna run for 200. I said, I don't know if I was talking to y'all on the pod or if it was in somebody else, but I said if they combine, if they could combine for 300 yards rushing, it's a lot, but if they could do it, they have a chance. But instead, no. And they fell down. I mean, part of that was to game script. They fell behind like what, 13 to 3 real early. They couldn't yeah, stop quick. Mahomes and the Chiefs right off the bat. But eventually they started holding them to field goals. From So from that point on, you might as well run it. I mean, there's nothing else they could do to you. Just pound them, beat them into oblivion, because that's the way to beat Kansas City. You pound them in the middle, you pound them in between the tackles, and you don't let Pat Mahomes on the field. Even though they can score quickly, that's your best bet. Wearing down. But nonetheless, the Browns lost. They're in the they're in the offseason now, and we get Bills at for the AFC Championship game on CBS at 3.40 Eastern Standard Time. Well, not 3.40, 3.05 Eastern Standard Time, 12.05 Pacific. But anyway, that's going to do it for this week's installment of the Zone 32 podcast. We'll be back to give you in-depth reviews of the NFC Championship game and the AFC Championship game. Until that point, this is Jake and this is Grant signing off for the night. Oh! See ya! Grant, Jake. Zone 32, only on NeutralZoneInfraction.com. NZI Properties.